everybody, and welcome to the Holy Spirit Part 3. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast, and I am thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus, and as we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. Periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. And if you do have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. And have you ever stopped and assessed the distance between your head and your heart? It's said to be approximately 15 inches in separation. Yet a spiritual veil covers our hearts and minds until we invite the Holy Spirit into our temple to take up residence. When we do this, the veil is lifted and we receive spiritual sight. If we listen to the computer between our ears, often we'll stay in confusion. But if we get quiet, that still small voice in our heart takes over. And the Holy Spirit's teaching has one goal, and that is of freedom. He wants to guide and direct our lives away from bondage and slavery. His guidance is God-based. He assists us in transforming ourselves with a higher level of thinking. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, you should be known for the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Have you ever found yourself on fire for the Lord and attempted to share your newfound enthusiasm with, say, a family member or a friend? You're so excited. You're saying all the right things for Jesus, yet there is just no transference of emotion happening. Well, here's why. Similar to love being an action, people that knew us prior to us knowing Jesus knew what we were like. And yes, albeit words are powerful, but in this case, our actions do speak louder than our words. We need to model what we profess and what a changed life looks like from the inside out. By doing this, our influence will take root and will grow. Christian wives have a tremendous opportunity to impact their husbands when our focus is on the inside. There's a softness in our spirit that acts as an attractor rather than repelling others away. Our love will be the winning ingredient rather than looks. We need to be consistent with our efforts and quiet as we progress. A quiet spirit is gentle and peaceable, and this is how our family and friends will see Christ in you and in me. Our attitude and inward spirit are what becomes our trademark characteristic of being a Christian. God doesn't look at outward attractiveness of his children. It's said in scripture that he sees the heart. No amount of great fashion sense or style will change this. He is after unity, where the enemy purely seeks division. 
The spirit has feelings and it is possible to offend and grieve him. He guides us into all truth about Christ. And when we invite the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, we experience the Shekinah glory of God. This is the abiding glory and presence of God. And in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 50 times. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What do you think of when you hear the word power, extraordinary supernatural capabilities, or simply strength beyond the natural? Well, the Holy Spirit's power is courageous. It's bold, confident, well-able, and insightful. And we need all of these gifts to achieve our God-given mission. There is a natural progression we follow as God leads us to witness to others. We first receive the Holy Spirit, which then empowers us. And as we witness in this order, we can experience extraordinary results. We become living testimonies for all He has done in and through our lives. Have you ever noticed sometimes we need to pause, allowing for God's timing? It is so important to act in faith, remaining in a holding pattern if need be. When we attempt to push ahead of God in anything we do without His blessing, we won't experience His favor. We must have His power and blessing acting through the Holy Spirit to help us. We have important work to do for God as His hands and His feet. When we give in and pause, we're storing up blessings and enacting God's way, or more specifically, God's plan. This allows for us to fulfill His will. He will give us complete instructions, coupled together with His timing and His power make us unstoppable. The Holy Spirit is the mechanism to all miracles. As believers, we're to live virtuously by arming ourselves with the word of truth and the power of God, which the Holy Spirit gives freely to us. The Holy Spirit acts as our legal counsel, and He has never lost a case. He knows believers' full-born blood rights in Christ, and he knows how to enforce them. He can perceive and know what the root of a problem is and give us wisdom and solutions to address it, thereby empowering us to win at life. Sometimes in our waiting for God's plan, we experience suffering. Do you find yourself asking, what's the point to all of this distress? God's word says, upon this earth, we will have trials and tribulations. And specifically in John chapter 16, verse 33, he had this to say, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. We live in a world of tensions with unbelievers, a world completely out of sync. But with Jesus, we can live in sync with his ways. And when we suffer upon earth, it's to escalate our inward growth. Joy maintains our respect for others and self. Tribulation polishes our weak areas. Sadness maintains our dignity and humanity and triumph grow us up. But most of all, God oversees it all. He is tender and his mercy abounds. The Holy Spirit is love and his expression toward us is always loving. 
He is housed within our hearts and is always available to us. Like Michelangelo, who claimed his statues were complete before working on them, his job was to simply remove the excess marble on the outside, allowing for the transformation of what was on the inside to emerge. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit all existed since before creation. Historically, in the book of Genesis, scripture states in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters, we were made physically to represent the image of God and spiritually in Christ for eternal life. The Spirit breathed the scriptures into existence. And man was created out of dust and began his existence upon God giving him breath. In the same way, the church's presence happened after God breathed forth the Spirit. Christ tells all who had assembled in Acts about the Father's promise. He said, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We are reminded of the symbol that shows the Holy Spirit's power, and that is fire. Remember Moses in the burning bush? This was the angel of the Lord activated in the presence of God. Any wind could not be seen, but yet the effects could be felt. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 2, it says, Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing fire in a bush. Moses was amazed because the bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. What an unexpected place to hear from God. Scripture goes on to tell us that Moses felt the need to go look into the matter further. We never know how God will show up or show off in our lives. We must remain open to people, places, and experiences he brings our way. When we care more about remaining in God's will than other things, the Holy Spirit can help to draw out our good qualities. Earlier, we said the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Each member has a distinct role. The Holy Spirit's role is different than that of the Father or the Son. The Holy Spirit empowers people to complete the will of God on earth, furthering His work. He carries out God's purposes and plans. Once Jesus ascended back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to fill his place on earth, indwelling all believers. This would differ from the Old Testament times where believers would become filled with the Spirit on an ad-needed basis to assist with specific needs. One primary qualification for those serving the early church as deacons was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul reminded early believers that they were made overseers by the Holy Spirit to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. In 2 Timothy, Paul said, although he was in chains, the word of God was not. He accepted scripture within him in his mind and spirit. One thing is for sure, no matter our circumstances that God allows in life, the one thing that cannot be taken away is the Spirit-enabled Word of God. It is living and alive in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 have this to say, 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. And all of us have had the veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. Under the law, before the Holy Spirit came upon us, our minds were veiled because of our heart attitudes, pride, and even a refusal to repent of sins. However, once we invited the Holy Spirit into our temple to take up residence, then the spiritual veil has been lifted and we received spiritual sight. The Holy Spirit ushers in God's blessings from the new covenant based upon Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, enabling God's children to walk in His ways. But did you know the Holy Spirit oversees entire nations? Yep, that's right. The prophet Haggai shared in chapter 2, verse 5, My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. No matter what difficulties we may face, God's Spirit is always with us. God's actualization would be achieved for His people. Moses gave us a pattern for the people. Gather together, be cleansed with a new heart, thrive, enjoy being God's chosen people who worship to the one true God. And it became crystal clear that the law implanted in the hearts of the people had to have been a supernatural intervention by the Holy Spirit to be successful. With this Holy Spirit filling in us, when we actively seek to do the Father's will, He is well pleased. And as a believer, the Holy Spirit inspires, pilots, tutors, and champions His children. Does the Holy Spirit have a role to play in an unbeliever's life? Let me ask that question again. Does the Holy Spirit have a role to play in an unbeliever's life? Yes, a resounding yes. It's solely the Holy Spirit's role to confront non-believers and influence them into an understanding of what their sinful lifestyle is and what it means not to be approved by God. And we know God ultimately prevails with final judgment, but it's God's desire to give all of his creation eternal life through the acceptance and belief of the gift of his son, Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit guided and directed the leadership of distinct groupings of people. They were called prophets. Recall the progression. First, there were priests, and then there were prophets, followed by kings. And a 400-year silent period existed between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And to date, all prophecy has been fulfilled with the exception of the second coming of Christ. In the Old Testament, the prophets had many opportunities to model humility in action. Their messages were not traditionally well-received by the people. But peering in through the looking glass, we're transported to the council room in heaven. We see the prophet Amos receiving instructions from the Lord and the host of angels are present. Amos continues to defend his vantage point to the Lord. He's merely a lowly shepherd from a tiny village of Tekoa. We too are reminded it's Jesus who is our shepherd. Not by our power or might do we operate. 
Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 specifically reads, It's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Zerubbabel was given the task of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. The prophets would tell him of a time when spiritual complacency or apathy and foreign oppression would be no more. And Jesus is concerned over one missing sheep from his flock of 100. When he brings them back unto the sheepfold and is successful, even the angels cheer. And Amos would go on to petition heaven that his young age was also a factor. Like all other prophets, Amos had to understand speaking for God was not an exercise for them to tap into their own imagination. Rather, it was a time to be truthful and faithful. God is a just, loving, and fair God, and he provided his inspired word to the prophets through his spirit and instructed them with his intentions. Now, the prophets were not always rebuking the people. They also had the responsibility to teach sound doctrine and instruct the people in righteousness. And here, righteousness means to obey God's word so they will gain his approval. And while we don't strive for man, we should eagerly live our lives in a manner that our Heavenly Father will approve of. And this taught God's children right living in perilous times as well as times of quiet. The same spirit who assisted the prophets of yesteryear helps us today. We also have a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, and now we can stand on their shoulders drawing strength for our spiritual battles. Who are these saints or witnesses? They're simply other believers who've passed from earthly life to eternal life. And the prophet Isaiah provides us with 10 examples of the spirit of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, he says, And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And this is talking about Judea, which the royal line of David was part of, but it was about Judea being punished. However, out of this punishment, the Messiah would be the fulfillment of God's promises. And we're instructed that the Spirit of the Lord brings wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is simply following and obeying the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15, Isaiah prophesies abundance. He says, Until at last the Spirit is poured down upon us from heaven, then the wilderness will become a fertile field, and the fertile field will become lush and fertile forest. So this outpouring that Isaiah is referring to will be available for all believers. And this will occur when the worldwide kingdom of God is established for all of eternity. God acts from above to change any and all earthly circumstances. In Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16, we see how God's word is carried out. We're specifically told, search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. He will not miss a single detail. Not one of these birds or animals will be missing and none will lack a mate. For the Lord has promised this, his spirit will make it all come true. And we talked about that specific verse in the Holy Spirit part two. 
And here Isaiah refers to searching the book of the Lord, meaning all of the prophecies of the Holy Spirit had him write down. So people who live long enough could see his precision and his accuracy by looking up the prophecies and finding agreement between what had happened and what was predicted. And Isaiah asks us to consider whom the supreme authority of the Spirit of the Lord over all is. In chapter 40, verse 13, Isaiah's question was this, Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to be his teacher or counselor? He then goes on in the next verse asking yet another question. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Isaiah describes the Holy Spirit's magnitude and expansiveness. Although God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at once, He still personally cares about every detail that matters to us. Remember, Scripture teaches He knows the number of hairs upon our heads. This is how important we are to Him. And our descriptors and limited points of view do their best to describe God, but we aren't even in the right stratosphere to do justice to who he is. For now, the best we can do is compare our descriptors with our life experiences. We should never limit the Holy Spirit's ability to work in and through us based on underestimating him. And now we move forward to Isaiah predicting the Messiah, whom is called Servant. In chapter 42, verse 1, Isaiah says, Look at my servant, whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one, and I am well pleased with him. I've put my spirit upon him. He will reveal justice to the nations. Israel had had a mission to serve God, being the keeper of his word and a light to Gentile nations, but yet they entered into sin and a rebellion and thus they failed. So God had to send his son, the Messiah, to fulfill his mission upon earth. And the Messiah or servant characterized gentleness, encouragement, truth, and justice. When our lives are broken, bruised, we find ourselves upside down and we're just plain tired. We can turn to Jesus who even has the Spirit of the Lord upon Him. God's loving attributes make it possible for us to approach Him with our needs. And in turn, we can be fueled and we can be re-energized to be good to others. It's an honor and a privilege to belong to God. We should want to share this piece of ourselves with others. It's that one thing that makes us who we truly are. In chapter 44, verses 3 through 5 of Isaiah, he had this to say, For I will give you abundant water to quench your thirst and to moisten your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit and my blessings on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a riverbank. Our legacy one day will be passed to our heirs, whom God promises to bless. Isaiah makes it clear in chapter 48, verse 16, that he has always told us plainly what would happen so we would have no trouble understanding. And he goes on to tell the children of Israel, and now the sovereign Lord and his spirit have sent me with this message. He tells them that the Lord was freeing them from the Babylonians. In the Old Testament, Isaiah was sent to proclaim the gospel, and in the New Testament, it was Jesus who was sent. 
Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to announce the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 that Jesus was reading these words in the synagogue when halfway through the reading he rolled up the scroll stating this was becoming true in front of their very eyes. You see, God's anger against their enemies will come true with Jesus' second coming. And it's interesting to note the world is under God's favor now with the Messiah having had come as a servant to serve and spread the good news for the oppressed. Yet when he comes again, he will come under anger and wrath. For believers, we don't have to be worried about God's wrath, but we should be concerned enough about the souls among us who've never heard of Jesus or the word has fallen on deaf ears to make every effort to open their blinded eyes. Now Isaiah expands and tells us that the Holy Spirit is grieved because of the people. In Isaiah chapter 63 verses 10 and 11, teaches us that the people rebelled against him and grieved his Holy Spirit. That is why he became their enemy and fought against them. Then they remembered those days of old when Moses led his people out of Egypt. They cried, where is the one who brought Israel through the sea with Moses as their shepherd? Where is the one who sent his Holy Spirit to be among his people? We grieve the Holy Spirit when we're stubborn, willful, full of pride and rebellious. When we block his leading, we're directly assaulting him. On the other hand, when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and offer us deliverance, he will give us rest. And the final time that the prophet Isaiah mentions the Holy Spirit is in chapter 63, verse 14, where he tells us, as with cattle going down into a peaceful valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people, Lord, and gained a magnificent reputation. Well, I'm hopeful that these teachings and examples have edified and built up your faith in the Holy Spirit and impressed upon you the need to be sensitive to his leading and guiding so you too may enjoy the fruits of his spirit. When we're being led by him, we'll enjoy at least one, if not all nine of these fruits, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those fruits of the Spirit can be found in Galatians 5, chapters, chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. So friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus Christ. Simply repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. 
And now let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you have ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. As you go out into the world, remember the priestly Aaronic blessing from Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week, and a special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories you grew up with, and we'll be discussing and sharing Jesus' unlimited power in our present day lives. We'll delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love and action looks like, and many more ideas. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And if you know anyone who may be interested in this material, please share a copy with them too. And I have that special guest coming up uh, on tomorrow's podcast. So stay tuned. And until next time, be blessed. God bless.